You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Uninterrupted time with Jesus? Do you plan your day so that you will have that uninterrupted time? That's what God wants from you. He wants to spend some uninterrupted time with you. Put the phone down, slide it away, turn the TV off, get some place where it's just you and the Lord. Speak to Him, have Him speak to you, read His Word, study. Enjoy the time you spend with each other, fellowshipping with the Lord, because that's why He created you, so you could fellowship one to another. Do you take time each week to spend quietly with the Lord? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he encourages you to spend quality time with God. Do whatever is necessary to carve out space for you to meet and fellowship with the Lord every single day. God desires to meet with you and speak to you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 3. As he begins his message, born from above. You are Turn into your Bibles in John 3. We're going to look at the first eight verses in this chapter. A lot of the verses here in chapter 3 are in red, which means they are Jesus's words. So we glean them to be extremely important. If you've read through John 3, you know that it is one of the most if not the most important chapters in the Bible. So let's um, read the first eight verses. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So have you ever heard the old saying, if it had been a snake, it would have bitten you? This usually happens when you misplace something, or you're looking for something, and you can't find it, and it winds up right in front of you, Or in my case, when I'm looking for my glasses and they're on top of my head. Yeah. Someone near to you or someone close to you says, if it was a snake, it would have bitten you. Or you might even say that to yourself. Interesting. And as I thought about this strange phrase, and I've said it before, when I thought about this strange phrase, in John's gospel, specifically in chapter 18, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is questioning him asking him different questions. Are you the king of the Jews? Don't you know I have power over you? I can do these things that I want to. 
Jesus is standing there looking at him. And then Pilate asks one final question. What is truth? If it was a snake, it would have bitten him. As truth stood before him in the form of the Messiah, it would have bitten him. In today's verses, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus and he asks questions. He's extremely curious about this man who has shown great signs and wonders that only God can do. His curiosity is up, and his name is Nicodemus. He's a religious man. He's one who is seeking God, one who is trusting in God's word. He is a man who has dedicated his entire life to keeping the codified law of Moses. A man, through his heritage, regarded himself as one of God's chosen people. A man looking for salvation. A man who knew the scriptures regarding the Messiah. A man who knew the signs that Jesus did were from God. He was seeking. He was questioning. He was looking for truth. The Messiah, the one whom Nicodemus was seeking with all his heart, was standing right before him. His salvation was closer than it had ever been before. If it had been a snake, it would have bitten him. Sometimes we too are looking for things that are right before our eyes. Sometimes we're looking for truths that are right before our eyes. And Jesus says some interesting things about seeing. We've talked about this scripture before. In verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And we believe this to be twofold. You cannot be in heaven. You won't see it physically. But if you're not born again, you can't see the spiritual. You can't see spiritual things, the things that Jesus so wants to develop in our lives and talk about us. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. In verse 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. What do we know about Nicodemus? What do we know about it? What can we glean from these scriptures? Well, I got about four or five things. First of all, we know that he must be very wealthy. Once again, the best commentary on the Bible is right. The Bible is the best commentary on itself because if you go to the Gospels, you'll find out that Nicodemus, along with a man named Joseph of Arimathea, come and ask for Jesus' body. Joseph of Arimathea has a tomb that they want to place Jesus in. Nicodemus is the one who carries all the embalming things, all the spices and all the incenses that are going to bury Jesus with. And these are very, very expensive. You don't buy these things unless you're very wealthy. So we can assume that Nicodemus was a very wealthy, wealthy person. It says he was a ruler of the Jews. This probably means he was one of the 70 Sanhedrin. He's one of the 70 Sanhedrin. And according to Jesus in 310, which we'll get to next week, he was a teacher of the Jews. Verse 1 tells us he was a Pharisee. There were about 6,000 men who were called Pharisees, and they all dedicated themselves to the law and keeping its ordinances. They recognized the first five books of the Bible as the Old Testament where God was inspiring men to write. They recognized it as God's inspired word, the Pentateuch. But they also placed the traditions of man before the commandments of God. We know that about the Pharisees. We know that Nicodemus was one of the men who was inspired by Jesus' signs and wonders. We studied that last week in John 2, 23. So from all this, we can surmise that Nicodemus was a man of high moral character and a man with deep religious hunger. 
But we all can, also can surmise from this that Nicodemus was spiritually blinded. He was spiritually blind. Look at verse 2. This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus came by night. Why do you think he came by night? Well, he could have been timid. He could have been afraid to be seen by the other Pharisees. He could have been afraid to be seen by others as he went in to see Jesus. He knew that the Pharisees were against Jesus. He knew how they stood. But I think he just wanted some undivided attention of Jesus. He wanted a time when he could have an uninterrupted interview with Christ, an uninterrupted conversation. I mean, after all, during the day, wherever Jesus walked, there was crowds throwing around him. Everybody wanted to touch him. Everybody wanted to get near him. You remember the story of the woman who had the issue of blood? When she touched Jesus, he turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Look around you. Who didn't touch you? So there was these throngs of people that gathered around Jesus. Maybe Nicodemus just wanted some time with his Savior, although he didn't know he was the Savior yet. But he wanted to spend some time with Jesus, some uninterrupted time alone. So he came at night. How busy are you? How busy are your days? Do you get uninterrupted time with Jesus? Do you plan your day so that you will have that uninterrupted time? That's what God wants from you. He wants to spend some uninterrupted time with you. Put the phone down, slide it away, turn the TV off, get some place where it's just you and the Lord. Speak to him, have him speak to you, read his word, study. Enjoy the time you spend with each other, fellowshipping with the Lord, because that's why he created you, so you could fellowship one to another. But we're too busy. And many of us are busy doing good things. We're busy doing the good things that we think. We're busy doing ministry, or we're busy doing this, we're busy doing that. And they're probably good things. But the Lord wants your undivided attention. And we should want his undivided attention. And we know that he get, gives us his undivided attention. Anytime we sit before him and go, Lord, we have it. Nicodemus wanted that. There was something special about Jesus that Nicodemus thought. Well, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he came as a representative of all men. And he represents what's the best in men. Because remember the scriptures we studied last week, Jesus knew what was in his heart. Jesus knew what was hard. He knew that he was searching the scriptures. He knew he was searching the scriptures for the Messiah. He knew that he was trusting in God to send the Messiah. And if you read in Hebrews 11, it says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who diligently seek him out, God rewards them. Nicodemus was about to be rewarded in a major way. Nicodemus states what everybody else was thinking. We know you're a teacher come from God because of the signs you do. And only someone who has God with them can do these signs. So this great acknowledgement of Nicodemus and this recognition was not acknowledged by the other Pharisees. They didn't want any part of this Jesus. This becomes a tremendous witness of who Jesus is, a tremendous witness. Jesus himself called his disciples to believe because of the witness of his works. In John 14, 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Again, he said in John 5, 36, my works, they do testify of me. Nicodemus acknowledged this. We know you're a teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles that you've done unless God is with him. 
In fact, the use of the pronoun we here can suggest that he was also representing the Pharisees, but we're not sure. He could have been representing the Pharisees as well. They may have all gotten together and go, someone needs to talk to this guy. Maybe they drew straws. Maybe they cast lots. I don't know. We don't know. It doesn't say that. But I believe Nicodemus was honestly seeking. I believe he was honestly seeking. If it were not so, I don't think Jesus would have talked to him the way he does. We know you're a teacher come from God. Jesus doesn't want to hear about the we at this time. It's not about we, Nicodemus. It's about you. Jesus wants to get personal, just like he wants to get personal with each and every one of us. It becomes a personal thing, very much like his speech on, uh, to the disciples in Matthew 16. Who do you say, man? Uh, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus wants it to be personal between you and he. He now zeroes in on the problem that Nicodemus has. The problem that Nicodemus has was his heart. His heart was messed up. Remember last week we talked about the heart transplant? His heart was messed up. Jesus knew all things, and he knew what was in the heart of Nicodemus. He knew that the biggest question in Nicodemus' heart was, how do I enter the kingdom of God that you preach about? How do I enter this kingdom of God? See, something was stirring in his heart because it was taught widely among the Jews that at the time they descended from Abraham, they were automatically assured of heaven. When you came from Abraham, you were automatically in if you were a Jew. In fact, some of the rabbis taught that Abraham stood at the gate of hell to make sure that none of his descendants accidentally wandered in there. Nicodemus' heart was telling him something different. Nicodemus' heart was telling him something was happening because no man could do the things that Jesus did without God being with him. Something was telling Nicodemus that there's something different about this man, something that I need to know about, something I need to know, something I need to know about God from this man. He was drawn to him. He was drawn to his words. He was drawn. We know you're a teacher. Jesus replies, and it's almost like he cuts him off. Jesus replies, and it's almost like he cuts him off. See, Jesus never messed with words, although he told parables, he told things, but he doesn't mess with words. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Many, many who study Scripture on a daily basis and who consider themselves scholar of Scriptures, believe that these are the most important words in the Bible. You must be born again. As I said, it's almost as if Jesus cuts Nicodemus off. The answer that Jesus gave Nicodemus must have seemed like a riddle. It must have seemed like, what? Because he starts pondering about it. You must be born again. What on earth are you talking about? See, that's just the problem. Jesus isn't speaking of earth. He's speaking of the spiritual. Nicodemus is thinking physical. Jesus is speaking on a spiritual plane. In fact, the word translated for born again means born from above. Born from above. You must be born from above. You must be born by God and his spirit. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you are born from above. Jesus was telling him that he will not understand spiritual things nor see spiritual things unless he's born again, born from above. And the same thing is true for us today. The same thing that was true back to Nicodemus was true for us. Imagine Nicodemus' head. Imagine this teacher of the law. You imagine everything that he built his faith upon, everything he built his trust upon, it was all shattered because they had the assumption, the assumption that just by racial identity, they were 
pardon me, they were going to enter the kingdom of God. Their racial identity as a Jew assured them a place in heaven. But Jesus makes it clear. He makes it plain. Man's first birth does not assure him a kingdom place. Only birth that gives assurance is to be born again. This is where the assurance comes from. Be born again. And Nicodemus comes back with a question. And when he speaks, unfortunately, he shows his spiritual blindness. He shows that he can't see or glimmer what Jesus is talking about. He, he asked this question. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is a logical question. Nicodemus is like, I don't get it. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. You're thinking of the physical. Jesus is talking spiritually. You don't get it. Nicodemus didn't get it. He's a religious leader of Israel. He's a well-educated man in the things of God, and he did not understand what Jesus was talking about. Some today still don't understand what Jesus was talking about. They will say to you, it's my heritage or my church affiliation. After all, I'm Catholic. After all, I go to Calvary Chapel. I was baptized as a child. I pay my tithes. I pray. I do all these good things, and they're good things. Being a member of the church, praising God, doing these things are good things, but in and of themselves, they will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. It will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it plainly. You cannot say it any more plain. You must be born again. Poor Nicodemus' mind's like, boop, boop, boop. It's on tilt. It's on overload. Ah. You know, most Jews at this time are looking for a Messiah to bring in a new world. That's true. But the new world that this Messiah would bring, bring in would place the Jews in prominence. Jesus didn't come to start a new world. He came to give you new life. And in that new life, he would be prominent. He was going to be the prominent one. So Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, Nicodemus, I got a lot of explaining to do. So he starts in verse 5, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's emphatic in saying that this man does not need a reformation. What is a reformation? This, not, this man does not need a change in the way Israel worships. They don't need a change in the way they do things. They don't need to get it right. What they need is a radical conversion. They need a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. You must be born of water and of spirit. What does being born of water mean? What does being born of water mean? Now, I'm sure you all have your own ideas, and I think that's okay. It's great. I have a bunch of ideas, too. We know from John 3.10 that whatever being born of water is, it should have been familiar to Nicodemus in the Old Testament because he says, you're a teacher of the law. You don't know this. So it should have been familiar. But like many other things concerning the Bible, there are many theories. There are many, many theories. Some think that born of the water means being baptized. Water may here represent baptism, but there's real, no real Old Testament foundation for this. In fact, I'll go on to say that you don't have to be baptized to be born again. If you are born again, you want to be baptized. It's an outward expression of what happened inside, an outward expression of what happens inside. Some thought that the born again, born by water, refers to this physical birth. And this seems right because we're all born from a sack of water in our mother's womb, right? It's, it's very attractive, but it, it kind of states the obvious. However, it does make a good parallel when you look at John 3, 6, when he saw that which is born of flesh is of flesh. It's a, it's a good fix. Some think the born of water means to be born again by the word of God. 
And in other passages of Scripture, water represents the Word. Like we're washed by the water of the Word in Ephesians 5, 26. Some think that being born of water means to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. It's the living water John talked about in John 7. Some believe that to be true. Some have thought that the water means to receive the water of cleansing, which Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel 36. We talked about it last week, part of the new covenant. If you want to believe that it refers to water baptisms, you're welcome to do it. If you want to believe that it is referring to being born by the word of God, you're welcome. If you want to believe that it be born of the flesh, you're welcome. You can take whatever position you want to take. It doesn't bother your relationship with God one iota. But what do we know? What do we know about it? What do we know about this, being born of water and the Spirit? It's a new birth. We know that. We know that the new birth takes care of the past, the present, and the future. We know that. The new birth is a divine change in a person's life from the inside out. The new heart we talked about last week. And being born again, you may look the same on the outside, but inside, something happens. Something happens within. After the rebirth, a new life starts to well up inside you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things are new. All things become new. This is the new birth. A new birth causes you to think differently. You begin to think differently. You begin to act differently. Your priorities are now different. You have thoughts of God in your life, thoughts of wanting to know God, thoughts of wanting to serve him, thoughts of fellowshipping with others, and thoughts of showing God's love to other people and witnessing God's love. All these thoughts come out from being born again. But God requires holiness, doesn't he? Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. God requires holiness. And during the old birth, we were born into sin. That old Adam. Hmm. I wonder how many people are going to give Adam what for when they see him up in heaven. We were born into sin. Sin was our nature. Our hearts were deceitfully wicked. Being born from above, we get the new heart, the transplanted heart. We become a new person. We become one born of the Spirit. Jesus continued and said, that which is, in number six, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Without the new birth of the Spirit, all the works of righteousness will be tainted by the flesh. Isaiah says something about our righteousness in the flesh. They are as filthy rags. The righteousness in the flesh are as filthy rags. We do know that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We were all born once, naturally, of the flesh. When you were born, you were not a child of God by natural birth. You don't become a child of God by your natural birth. You are a child of God by your spiritual birth. That's when you become a child of God. Paul the Apostle, talking about your life before Christ, said, And you hath he made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins, who in times past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But even now works in the children of disobedience, among whom all were once lived, according to the lust of the mind, lust of the flesh. And you were by nature children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. You are assured. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.